Welcome to the Momgasm Podcast. Blending motherhood, self-connection, sensuality, and pleasure. Normalizing what it means to be a mother and a sexual being. In this week's episode of the Momgasm Podcast, we are diving into part two of our Dadgasm series. Myself and my partner, Oliver, we have a hilarious in-depth conversation about a relationship and uh, from the very beginning as young teenagers to becoming parents and how that's affected our sex life. Oliver also talks openly about his vasectomy and how it's emotionally and spiritually affected him. Plus, we even get a little deeper as we talk about masculine and feminine energies and how Ollie is discovering what male sexuality means to him. We had a fucking ball recording this, and we hope you love it too. Enjoy. That was a really emotional video. Watching a humpback whale be freed. (laughs) You're freaking out right now. I can see in your eyes. (laughs) We're going from free willy to... I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> I can see it in your awkward smile. <laughs> You're terrified of this. <laughs> I'm not terrified. It's, I've never done this before. Yeah. Make sure your voice is pointed towards the microphone. Okay. Point my voice. So here we go. Yes. Dadgasm. You guys part heard... Two. Yeah, part two. You guys heard... Lindsay and Jeff's episode. Um, I haven't listened to it yet. I have to edit it. Um, it's probably going to be released in two weeks from now. So, yeah, I haven't listened to it yet. Lindsay sent me a list of questions that she was going to talk about with Jeff. And so I looked it over and I was just like, yes, yes, yeah, this is what I want to talk about. But there was a couple things that I wanted to add in there. So anyway, again, I have no idea if Lindsay has talked about the idea behind this episode, but um, Lindsay and I decided that it would be awesome for you guys, the listeners, to finally hear the dads who are the other half of Momgasm, who keep us going, who, keep, who support us and encourage us and take care of the kids so that we can go record. So we thought... We've been wanting, and I think that everyone has heard us joke around about it before, about dadgasm. And, uh, and yeah, so here we are. Here we are. So for the listeners, Ali, you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm Oliver. I'm Ollie. You're Ollie. I'm Big O. Big O. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm your... Partner, husband, partner in crime. Partner in crime. Yeah. Um, what? What more? What do I want? To, what do I need to say? Um, you're super fucking that? awesome. You are a philosopher. You're a I writer. Am. You um, are an incredible father to Henry and Roe. Student of life. Your student. Oh, that's so poetic. He's mm-hmm. also, ladies and gentlemen, he is also very fucking poetic. He writes me poems. Not as often as you once did, but every so often I get a really beautiful poem. Yeah. You still get a story every year. Every year. Every Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. So, let's start. And I was thinking, 
we should start at the beginning. So, well, in the beginning, um, <laughs> God said, let there be light. <laughs> and then he created Ollie and Sarah. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, the beginning. So this is where we're going to start. I figured in this episode, I want to talk about us. And you and your journey as a dad, but I think it's only right to start in the very beginning and and how we met, how we became the people we are today. And how long ago was that, that we met 13 years ago? 2006. Six? Yeah. 2006. Started dating in 2007. 2007. I was... Fresh off the airplane from England, 17 years old. Yeah, I plucked him off the boat. (laughs) (laughs) Standing there with your... I was at the docks and I saw him. I thought, ooh, he's ripe for the picking. (laughs) Oh, just a little disclaimer. Ollie and I are also high, so there you go. (laughs) We did have a little talk, yes. Uh, Just make sure you're pointing your voice. Right, yeah, I'm pointing my voice. Because you're quite talking. Sarah has a hobby of standing at the uh, harbor front and dockyards waiting for immigrants to get off boats. <laughs> oh, look at this one. Sweet ass. What? <laughs> I'm going to get me some sweet, ripe English ass. <laughs> That's got weird. <laughs> it always gets weird. It always does get weird. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm... Wait, so, okay. Oh. When was the moment that... Sorry, I just lost my... I, like, choked on saliva for a second. When do you remember meeting me for the first time? My first memory of you is... Uh, is a digital memory. Uh, it's... We met on... MySpace, that's how long ago this was. Yeah. Um, MySpace and MSN Messenger. And we, I was at Northumberland Regional High School for about a week. And being new to the school in a small town in fairly rural Nova Scotia, that attracted quite a bit of attention. Me and my brother both. Um, so just a little, like, just so people who don't know Ollie, which is the majority of you, um, Ollie is six foot three, four, four babe? Six four, foot four. Yeah. And his brother, Charlie, who's younger by two years, he's six foot five. And so when they arrived at the school, they were called the Two Towers because they were huge. Like, I don't think maybe Michael... Uh, there was one guy. There was, I think there was one other person. Yeah, that who was, was just taller. as tall. Yeah. But because you guys are from England and you dressed totally different, you did like you looked European. Everyone was like, "Yeah, you were the talk of the school." And then, and yeah, to be the two towers, like everyone could see you from every corner of right. the school. <laughs> well, the school was a square, so if we stood at each corner, we could. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Uh, anyway, so yeah, what was your first memory? So my first memory was in that first week having an influx of MSN and MySpace friend requests. Um, 
And one of them was you. I think it was Esmir Girl 6 or something. That was my MSN name? Yeah. You remember that? Oh, yeah. What? Um, But we met on on MySpace first, and I remember seeing, I think it was your profile picture on MySpace, thinking, oh, okay. (laughs) A good-looking girl has wanted to be my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Or a girl that isn't, like, 12 years old in the town that we moved to, Um, which was odd. And I thought, oh, okay. And then we started chatting because you were a friend of somebody that I'd met in one of my, in my biology class. Lacey, Lacey, right? Lacey, yeah. yeah. Um, hi, Lacey. You're probably listening. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, we started chatting on MSN. And I remember that first night that we started talking, I think we talked for probably two hours straight. And it yeah. was incredibly strange because I was sitting there in the basement Fireworks. and my parents house my bedroom was not finished yet so i was sleeping in said basement and i i remember feeling like i'd never had a conversation like that with anybody in my life before and that was very strange Hmm. and that i i felt like i knew you immediately and that we were old friends catching up kind of thing (laughs) so one of my favorite stories one of the i and i think it was the first time that I, no, it wouldn't be the first time that I saw you. So, okay, the story that, this is how the story goes. we already been talking on MSN by this point. And, uh, but we had yet to really acknowledge each other in person at school. So it online was very. Online friends only. What was it? Online friends yeah, only. Yeah, online friends only. So, yeah, there was a little bit of like this awkward tension. Like we knew each other, but like we didn't know each other at the same time. So I remember it so fucking clearly. Here I am. It's a, it's a, it must be lunchtime. It's lunchtime and I'm at, I'm at my locker. And I'm, I remember thinking, okay, this is going to be the day that I finally talk to Ollie. This will be the day that I finally go up to him and say, hey, it's me, Sarah, the girl you've been talking to on online, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, I'm feeling the same feelings that I felt that day. So here I am. I have my eyes closed right now because like, I feel like You're I'm really, really there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there I am. I'm in my locker. The locker's blue. It's like those traditional high school lockers. And I remember I'm like getting out my, my books and at the corner of my eye, I see the two fucking towers approaching. And I'm like, oh, God. I remember, like, sweating profusely. Like, all of a sudden, like, the heat got jacked up in the school by 100. And I'm like, I'm getting all shaky and shit. And I grab my books, and I quickly formulate a plan. I'm like, okay, he's approaching. I have, like, zero point, like, five, like I have five seconds to, like, formulate a plan to for him to notice me. So I grab the books, close the locker, I walk down the hallway, and my plan was a very cliche plan. It was to drop the books in front of Oliver, in front of you, and for you to then be like, oh, I'll help you with those, pick them up. And then when we look each other, look at each other in the eyes, we'll be like, oh, and then we'll be like, you know, all the fucking hearts like, you have hearts floating everywhere. and like, you know, zoom out and like, ooh. And very all lovely that. plan. I know, right? So I walk down the hallway. I see him approaching. He's getting closer to the, the stairwell. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm losing time. I'm losing time. Speed up, Sarah. Speed up. 
So I start walking faster and I get there. I drop the books. I li- like, I, I can't believe I actually, I, I, I did it. I dropped the books. And instead of Oliver getting the books, his brother Charlie looks, sees that I dropped the books, picks them up, gives them to me. We smile at each other. Oliver doesn't even acknowledge me. Like there is, you have, there is no recognition. You don't even look at you. You're just like, oh, it's just none of those fucking I, bitches who I are trying to get with me. This at all. Yeah. <laughs> and I was so crushed. I was like, no, why, God, why? So you should have married my brother. <laughs> yeah, barely. <laughs> fuck. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't remember that. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> great. Fucking great. <laughs> So fast forward, uh, fuck. So we we were friends all the our grad year. We were my prom date. Mm. We um, and then you went off to Saint Effects, and I visited you. I think a couple of times. Yeah, I think two or three times maybe. And then I was accepted to go to Katimovic. Yep. And the day that I got accepted, I had a week to pack up and leave. So I quickly went and saw you at Saint Effects. We had sex. We solidified that we really liked each other. Had sex for the first time. Had sex for the first time, yeah. First time. And then we were like, shit, like, I really, I feel a lot for you. Like, we had a whole year of courting. Like, we had a whole year of writing each other notes and staying up until two in the morning, three in the morning, talking. He had come out partying with me and my friends numerous times. Slept in your bed when you said it was okay, only to find out the next morning that it wasn't okay with your parents at all. (laughs) (laughs) At all. So we had a lot of, yeah, there was a lot of moments, but... You never made the move. And I remember being like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Like, why isn't he making the move on me? Like, I'm giving him all the signs. He slept in my bed for fuck's sakes. Like, I wore a little see-through white uh, wife beater and, like, little booty shorts. And he, you did not touch me. You did not touch me. Like, in hindsight, you were the perfect gentleman. But at the time, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you, you emotional robot? Like, why, why, do, why don't you want to stick it in me? Stick it in me already. well had you just put it that way (laughs) maybe i don't know no i did not want to give your parents any reason to dislike me from day one Mm, fair enough that was a bit that was a part a lot of it yeah um and yeah i don't I don't fuck on the first date, sir. You don't. You clearly don't. You are a gentleman through and through. A true Englishman, my my good sir. <laughs> Stiff upper lip. How dare so... you present your pussy to me. <laughs> Get back, heathen woman. Get back. Put it away. Cover it up. No. <sighs> oh, shit. So, yeah, then we started dating. I left for nine months. We fucking bitch. Fucking bitch. Came back. And then a couple years later, I think three years later, you, no, five years, five years after we started dating, you proposed to me. And then we got married one year later, 2012, age of, ripe no, age of we got married five years after we started dating. Sorry, yeah, got married five years after we started dating. You proposed Four years. And then 
yeah, we got married at 23. And I remember like when we got married, you know, a lot of our friends and people we didn't know, people that weren't friends and strangers were like, what are you doing? Like 23, like you're crazy. But we just knew, we just knew. I remember in high school and feeling so nervous to look you in the eyes because every time I did, I like felt this really uncomfortable, big, like guttural flutter and it scared me. And I remember feeling like I could, I could, I, all I could say that was, was that it was something. Mm -hmm. And usually like I have a pretty good, I can like, even though I don't articulate and then I didn't articulate my emotions very well. I was pretty in tune and pretty, uh, I would, ex yeah, I was just in tune with my emotions. And, but with you, you just threw me for a loop. And I just always knew that there was something really intense and something was really big was going to happen between you and I. And so, yeah, when we were 23 and we were, you know, engaged or we got married, um, there was never a question of, is are are you the one for me? That was never a question. It was more so, should we wait? Like, right? Should we have yeah. waited? Is was this just dumb to do it because we're poor? Like, we're twenty three. We have no money. We have no savings. You know, it was more so along those lines. But at the same time, we're like, well, fuck it. Who cares? We don't need a big wedding. But then it became right. a really big deal because my my wonderful mother took over. And yeah, but um, yeah, and then, then I remember feeling like. I had to define what it meant to be a wife because to me, a wife was synonymous with being a mother. It was very matronly. It was very, mm. uh, I almost want to say disobedient or not disobedient, obedient, sorry. Um, kind of, yeah, obedient. And I, and I, that was something I never wanted to, that, that just was something that I didn't align with at all. Yeah. You never want to obey me. Never, ever. Um, I've always been really independent. I've always needed to assert my independence. Mm -hmm. But um, what's that? Does that? We were watching a show or something, some video on Facebook maybe, and it was that old couple, and it was uh, they were together for years and years and years, and they were asked what was the secret to, you know, your happy long marriage, and she looks at him and then responds like, he just lets me do whatever the fuck I want <laughs> he's like yep I was like oh okay yeah that that's how it works but, you know we just I think we really understand and appreciate that we're both independent people and that we've each got our own interests and mm -hmm. hobbies and needs and wants and we encourage each other and support each other to pursue and fulfill those mm -hmm. uh, but that took time i mean like you yeah. you came from a family dynamic that was very independent everybody doing their own thing very. you know i remember feeling i mean there was culture shock for me when i moved here but there was a family culture shock when i was hanging out with you and your your family because you guys just kind of sat and didn't talk or if there was something on the TV or a film, like nobody was actively watching it in unison or people were in different rooms. And that was very different for me because my family has always been and is still very 
um, very togethery. Together. <laughs> um, very family oriented. Yeah, very yeah. family oriented. Uh, you know, it's, and that was a shock for me. Yeah, so we play board games and stuff, and we we watch films together, and that that was kind of a tradition of our boys' night on Wednesdays and that kind of stuff. And so we both had to navigate one of us kind of wanting maybe me wanting to spend more time with you and do more things, and you wanted mm. to be more independent. So we had to find a happy medium, mm-hmm. um, and that some time but that was that was growing pains and yeah yeah definitely and i mean yeah we we say to each other all the time even now that we're still getting to know each other because mm. we're we'll one, never stop we'll yeah never ever stop and that's something that i think we've really learned in the past year but before oh but well we've learned we've we just continue to learn it yeah over the years, we know that we're always growing and changing. And so that's what's so exciting about being with you and living with you while you pursue these new interests and you learn new things like the pottery class that you did and all this stuff. It's, mm-hmm. it's great for me to see you grow as a person that way because then I get to know more of you and there are new things that I get to learn about you. Mm-hmm. Um, And you're my best friend, so that's really exciting. You're my best friend. You're my best friend. So, I get, yeah. That was Queen, by the way, for people. That was Queen. If anybody's wondering. So, how would you describe... (laughs) Well, you gotta give credit where credit's due. It's true. Copyright issues, man. Right, exactly. Fuck. How would you describe our sex life before and after kids? You farting with your leg. I am. Sorry. It's incredible. It was accidental. (laughs) But then the second one wasn't accidental. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can you repeat the question, please? How would you describe (laughs) our sex life before and after kids? Um, Well, I would... Before kids was... um, uneducated it was i don't want to say going through the motions but we were we weren't comfortable sexually Mm. so the sex that we were having you know some of it was good but it was it was yeah we we weren't comfortable sexually individually and that came across like we were having sex and we were madly in love, but it was an issue for us. We knew that there was kind of a piece missing and there was a tension between us and it was sexual, not like good sexual tension. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Um, and then after kids, it's totally different. It's, way more connected, way more emotionally and sensually involved, but also more comfortable. We are, each of us, more comfortable sexually in ourselves and therefore more comfortable sexually together. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that is partly because you watched me 
give birth. Like you saw me at one of my most raw, wide mm. open, literally points of my life. I saw you poop. You saw me poop. Do you think that yeah. watching me become a mother, like watch me give birth and then become a mother, do you think that that kind of contributed mm. to us having a more open and... I, it, so it, watching you give birth, and actually there's a very specific memory that I have of you in the bath with Henry a couple of months after he was born. <laughs> and I remember looking at the two of you and more specifically looking at you and I could see your big milky titties floating around in the bathtub, but I wasn't looking at them sexually. Mm. And I remember it being a very powerful moment for me where I was realizing that I was looking at your naked body in a very non-sexual way. And I don't think I would have gotten there. And obviously it was the same when you were giving birth that I was seeing your body in a, in a non-sexual way. It was a powerful, creative moment that you were, there was your body. There was this vagina that I'd had sex with and gone down on and then oh there's the head of my child coming out of it but none of that really none of that went on none of it was an issue none of it was weird it was yeah I was just fully absorbed in the moment of the birth of our children mm -hmm. um but yeah that that kind of I don't want to say started something for me, but it was definitely a catalyst, a huge catalyst in mm -hmm. viewing your body in a non-sexual way. Mm -hmm. um, and because of that, that, um, that allowed me to kind of become more comfortable with my views of sex in a, in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and then made, me more comfortable with you sexually and us more comfortable sexually were you at, at any point after having kids because like before having kids like we just said ollie and i you and i we had a lot to work on and uh individually and we ended up both seeking mm -hmm. therapy mm -hmm. a couple of years after our marriage um we ended up seeking help and we got some answers and we got some new tools and stuff like that, but it uh, it wasn't enough. And the sex was stuck still kind of still kind of the same, you know, we was just kind of going through the motions. Mm. So we know I know that you know there was a lot of points before we got you know had kids that we were both uncomfortable in the bedroom, but at any point, after me becoming a mom, were you, uh, you know, really uncomfortable with how my my body had changed? How um... uncomfortable? No, but I mean, obviously, it was different. Um, you know, while you were pregnant, it was kind of getting used to and maneuvering your larger body, and, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, spooning became a very popular position. Said. third trimester yeah um but no it wasn't obviously not uncomfortable no it was mm -hmm. just different and then after kids and postpartum um uh no it, 
it was I remember we after you we had Henry we'd have sex and you'd have a bra on because your boobs yeah, would leak everywhere so and then we became more comfortable with all that and then I ended up loving it and then it was a non-issue mm-hmm. it was a t- huge turn on yeah um, yeah with Roland this time around like after I gave birth yeah. to Roland that's when we really we really um embraced the milk yeah embraced embraced <laughs> the milk <laughs> Give me all the milk. And now we miss it. We really oh, miss, miss it. it. You miss it. I miss it. Like I find myself squeezing my boobs, I was hoping. So excited the other night when a little bit came out. I was like, oh, <laughs> the nectar is returned. So sweet. <laughs> and I jizzed in my face. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, what about your your transition? Like I, as a woman, when I became a mother, everything changed. What? Not just my body, but like mm. everything. But for you, you your body obviously didn't change. Maybe you put on a little bit more weight. Um, but what about oh, mentally? I put on some more weight. <laughs> yeah, but what about mentally? Because I don't think you ever like talked to me because at the time I probably would have been like, don't you fucking complain to me. Well, yeah, it, I can't. <sighs> Yeah, there wasn't a fear, but it was just, it was timing, right? I don't, there was no space, no safe, you didn't give me a safe space to talk about being a dad, Sarah, how fucking dare you? Uh, (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) No, but there's, it's, parents, both parents go through transitions, obviously, after having kids. Absolutely. And quite rightly, the the focus is on the mother. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it just didn't feel appropriate to talk to you about what I was feeling. But I what had. were you feeling? Because I don't think you've ever talked to me about this. No, I don't know. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Well, it was just, it was, a lot of it was what you were feeling. The anxiety, the, of, you know, going outside with this brand new tiny baby. And, oh God, yes. I remember the drive home from the hospital with Henry. Oh, the first drive home oh. uh, was absolutely terrifying. I remember both of us I terrified. had Henry in... Henry you was looked in, so scared. So he was in the back seat, obviously with in the me. car seat, on the passenger side because the passenger side, when you're parking a vehicle on the right side of the road or the proper side of the road, anyway, you get the passenger side is the safest. It's onto the sidewalk. So yeah. obviously we're not. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> I was terrified of every single left turn that oh I made. Oh my God, yes. Because that exposed, exposed the passenger side of the vehicle to <gasps> oncoming traffic. Our new baby. Yeah. So if it was not a, even with a protected left, I was going slow. You and were. You were going so I was slow. terrified. <laughs> Rightfully so. I was scared too. I mean, here I am in the back seat with my brand new baby. Mm. Uh, yeah i remember being so scared and then the moment we walked in the house yeah it just felt so weird it was so that, weird. that was a strange feeling to be alone and to be home yeah. with with a brand new human being and you're like oh, i don't know what to do okay, what do we do now like what do that, we do you don't just slide back into what you were doing before you went to the why hospital are we being because... trusted with this brand new baby someone take Who it gave us this an adult thing. take the baby <laughs> Uh, yeah, I felt was, like a kid. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorite Rick and Morty lines. Children are just uh, parents are just children having children. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they it's 
I was feeling a lot of the same things that you were. And, but even maybe not to the same degree, I didn't have the drastic hormone changes that you yeah, did. And, yeah. Um, and I also went back to work after two weeks. Yeah. So there was, there was guilt there for that, for sure, too, because you know, I wanted to take more time off. I wanted to be home with you and with Henry mm-hmm. um, and then with Roland second time around. But I couldn't because my role in the family is breadwinner. It's to support us. And if I don't go to work, we we can't do that. We can't eat. So, but there was guilt about that because my wife is home with our two-week-old son and I'm at work for eight hours of the day. And you're suddenly by yourself oh, and God, I was so scared to be we had doulas myself. which was super fortunate yeah. and a really great last minute decision to do mm, yeah, we had like child. literally like weeks yeah um yeah and we were fortunate as well that our parents live in the same province and we were able to to come by every now and again to give us a break to give us a break um, help show me how to do things yeah. <laughs> and so though I, I definitely felt guilty about that mm-hmm. and loved coming home every single day but also if i'm honest there were days when i was i would eke out the time at work to be all right well when i get home it's dad it's, duty. that's dad duty and that's no more time to myself and you fucking dick there's this part of me that's like <laughs> you fucking dick, and, but there's another part where it's like, dude, I would have done the exact same it's fucking like, I had, thing. I had to take a moment to breathe. And, I no, I would have done at, the same thing because I've been at work all day, and that's not but easy. It's, you, know, you fucking dick. Because <laughs> even still to this day, even like being three and a half years deep into being a mom, I still count down the minutes until I you know. get home. I'm I like, oh my god, he's almost home. I'm almost, I'm almost <laughs> done. I'm almost done. Sarah, just hang on. Hey, oh baby girl. <laughs> and there are still moments when I'm like, okay, well I can sit on the you toilet a little longer and fucking <laughs> dick. If Sarah texts me, I'm <laughs> replying with, yeah, pooping. You're Be dick home in a minute. You're a dick. <laughs> what we uh, that we all need that time. It's true. Um Yeah. So yeah. How um so our sex life. Well, hang on a minute. Um, just wanted to back what else I was feeling as a dad is transition and yeah. didn't really talk. Well, I didn't really, I didn't have a lot of other people to talk about it to. No, either. you didn't. Um, and so because I didn't have that opportunity, I wasn't really talking to you and I wasn't venting. I had Pat, my best friend, who was also being a dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. At the same time, yeah. but on the other side of the country. Mm. Um, so shitty. And I had no other real dad friends here. Uh, Brandon at work, I just had a kid, but I wasn't close with him at that point. Mm. And so I had, yeah, it was, you know, just deal with it himself. But our sex life. Our sex life was shit. oh (laughs) after henry it didn't change really Mm. but it got more awkward because here i am with these big leaky boobs Mm. i 
was so fresh, you know, at a, at a, as a new mom and I was dealing with postpartum anxiety. Mm. Um, and so I was pretty reluctant to have sex with you. I really, it was not a, it was not a priority to me at fucking all. And I know you talked about this on other episodes too, but that whole, all right, don't have sex for six weeks. Yeah. Like I, I was counting down the weeks. I was like, okay, it's, Six weeks. I'm thinking to myself, when are we gonna have sex? Let's think about God, it. That makes that me was, exactly. And it's it's what it is. Mm-hmm. It, it's, oh, they shouldn't say that. Really, no, the doctors shouldn't, shouldn't say that shouldn't. because who fucking cares? Like, yeah. is it really that important? And like, okay, she yes. Was ready to go yes, but fun. I mean, I get that they say like, don't you know, wait six weeks so that you can properly heal heal before yeah. you have sex. But it just Ah, uh, it puts a it puts a lot of pressure on the say, woman. Have sex again when you're comfortable. Yeah, when there you yeah ready. yeah, because I was dreading that six week mark. Mm. I remember us trying, and, and it, it was work. so it was painful. painful. Yeah, and I was like, "Fuck this, man! Like this is bullshit." And then yeah, yeah, our sex life after Henry it was, it was pretty just like me, 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 me. All right. And then, but like, wait, did we have a lot of sex when I was pregnant with Henry or was that when I was pregnant with Roland? Or was it both? Both both times we had quite a lot of sex and I I got a lot of blowjobs. You got a lot of blowjobs. That was like for, when I was pregnant with Roland, that was actually one of my cravings. And I'm not, I'm not lying. I'm being actually honest. I would have dreams multiple times a week about just, Giving Ollie a blowjob. You're probably popping a bone right now. I was happy to oblige. <laughs> like, it yeah. was, like, I could, like, literally, I remember, like, lying in bed or, like, in the middle of the day when you were at work, I could literally, like, I was salivating. I could, I was craving the taste, the texture, how it felt in my mouth, like, just everything about it. I honestly thought about getting you pregnant a third time, <laughs> just. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, it's like, so listeners you've probably heard along the lines that somewhere in one of the episodes that i used to hate blowjobs like i at one point in my life my therapist thought i had was developing a phobia of sex and so and blowjobs i mean sex you know just penetration is what i'm talking about penetration that was uh one thing i dreaded but blowjobs that was at the top of my list like phobia yeah for sure like i i don't want i I don't want to smell it i don't want to i don't want to see it like it was just but um i remember being pregnant with henry and started to get these like Mm. this 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 urge to want to give you a blowjob and i thought it was really weird and making me feel uncomfortable because i knew that sarah cresswell hated blowjobs so this was not okay so I kind of fought it a little bit. And every so often, I let myself indulge. And I was like, secretly, I was thinking, I was like, oh my God, I really fucking like that. Jesus, fuck. I want more of that. But I didn't tell you. And then sex life after Henry is just like, Bleh. It kind of went back to what, it was, what it was before. Yeah. And then got pregnant with Ro, and I started to like crave it. And I let myself indulge fully. And I let Ollie know that there was something that I was craving. So he was full on enjoying it. That, yeah, that was that was a big thing for me to let me know, to communicate that yeah. with me. Right. Yeah. 
say, hey, I'm craving you and I, this is what I need right now. It's like, okay, let's do it because then we're both happy. That must have really started then, like me communicating with you when I was pregnant with Roland, because that was something that we never really did. Like it took me, it was so hard for me for the majority of our relationship, for the first half of our relationship, our sex life. It was so hard for me to communicate to you what I needed and what I didn't want you to do. Well, that was that we knew that that was true of our relationship for a long time was that we were very good at communicating. We started our relationship by communicating. We stayed Sent me together while you were on Katimovic by communicating long distance. Mm. And we knew that, but we also knew that where we failed in communicating was with regard to sex because we yeah. didn't have the language. We couldn't, no. we didn't have the internal languages for ourselves and we didn't have, we weren't able to translate and communicate that to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's why when we were going through therapy, we created code words and we yeah. gave up. created little words that we could use to tip each other off to how we were feeling or what was going on yeah and which was incredible and then yeah and then we dropped it and got a little bit more comfortable but we were still trying to find that language and then after roland while you were pregnant with roland and after that's really when things changed and we came into our own and we found that language we were able to communicate what we needed in the bedroom but then also outside of the bedroom and what that meant for our sex life outside the bedroom. Yeah. And it, yeah, our sex life after Roland. (sighs) 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 Oof. Oof. Is is it good? Oh, mama. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Really within the, so Roland's 15 months, almost 15 months. Okay. Roland's 15 months at the end of this month, the end of this month. So really within, fuck. Yeah. Wow. Pretty much two years. Yeah. Of us having this mind blowing sex, but really, it really kicked off last June when I said, Fuck this. I am not following this fucking, um, this narrative that I've created for myself my whole life that I am worthless. I'm tainted that there is something wrong with me. I'll never be what I hoped or I'll never be what I think that Ollie should, I should be in the bedroom. You know, I'll never be normal. I just follow this narrative. I played the victim card and I played it till my heart's content like it was my security blanket. And really last June, so three months after Roland was born, I came across Estelle Thompson's She Quest Mm. and something sparked within me. And I was like, yeah, I need to do this. And I remember telling you about it and you were like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Cool. Do Go it. for it. Do do it, babe. I remember doing it and we were like in the middle of like packing to move and I had this yeah. tiny little corner in our little apartment that had the tiny little table and I had all my art and my paint and my sketchbook and everything on this tiny little fucking corner. And it was paradise to me. And then I, I remember like talking, you know, in, in, in the program we were talking about female sexuality and sensuality and, and menstruation and it just... It made me bloom, like something inside of me that 
has been like just waiting to bloom my entire life was finally it got some water and it was like replenished and it was hydrated. It was like, yes, yes, give me more. Like, this is what you're supposed to do, Sarah, you fucking idiot. And then I remember we moved and we got in here and I remember laying on the bed and I had the realization and I said, I need to reinvigorate my sexuality. I need to reinvigorate my sensuality. And something shifted and the switch went off. And everything since then has been out of me saying yes and being open. And then you. What did I do? You. What did I do now? (laughs) (laughs) I guess within the last. I want to say, I want to say like six months. Yeah. Six months. Yeah. Because it's. Yeah, six to seven months. Yeah. Yeah. You all along were watching me and and seeing what I was doing, being a little creeper. And I'm a voyeur. <laughs> a voyeur. <laughs> and uh Oh I am. You didn't know that? I did know that. I do oh, know yeah, that, baby. Okay. Yeah. Um you were getting inspired and you were saying to yourself you know, I, I want some of that. I want, well, yeah, it was, I, I saw your empowerment and your comfort level and your interconnectedness go through the roof, your creativity and your sexuality and your passion. And yeah, I, that was inspiring to me. I was like, I want some of that. Like, and this was right around when we made the decision for me to have a vasectomy. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah, that was February, uh, end of January was when I got the operation. January 29th. Yeah, we decided in August. Didn't we? We decided in August, I thought. Because no, remember I had that was... pregnancy scare? We had like three we pregnancy had, squares. Quite a few pregnancy squares. squares. <laughs> oh, <those> delicious pregnancy <laughs> squares. Hasty pregnancy squares. Like date squares, but way harder to find. Shut up. Pregnancy. I can't even. I like. What am I trying to say? Pregnancy scares. Scared. Anyway. Anyway. I don't remember when we decided that you were going to get a vasectomy, but I remember being. I think it was around. It was. Yeah, maybe it was August that I went for the initial referral. Yeah, you did. But it took a long time. It did. To. And this was, I think, before. Well, right around, I guess, the mental health crisis in Nova Scotia. But sterilizing a man is not high on anybody's priorities. Um, yeah, which is so. Fucking but then dumb. that's it. Let, so I went for the referral and lovely doctor. And she, but she gave me the spiel that she's been trained to give which was have you tried condoms have you tried the pill have you tried iud's have you tried the patch have you tried injections all of which are contraceptive methods for you Oh God, so and i remember i had to contain it but i remember feeling very frustrated because here i am a 29 year old man married with two kids deciding that he wants to get a vasectomy And my doctor is trying, not super trying, but providing me with other options, which involve the onus for contraception remaining with you. 
that was frustrating. Uh, so I had to politely tell her, yes, we've had all these conversations and we have decided upon this. Um, so fucking ridiculous. So she gave me the referral and then it was months and months and months. I called to follow up because we kept having pregnancy squares. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. so I, I called to follow up and then got an appointment for the new year, January 29th. Yeah. In the morning. Yeah. And I had to take a couple of days off afterwards. And I, I was telling Mike this last night. So women, women, you get birth. You have that experience for yourself. Mm. And and we all have our own experiences and that's fine. But the other, I, I almost, almost wonder if the other one that kind of goes hand in hand with that for men is the vasectomy. Like maybe kind of typically at least anyway. But okay. Mm. You know, women have the children and then the men get the snip afterwards. Mm. So there's no more children. Uh, Anyway, it it was, it's an experience that you can never have. You don't know what it's like to have that hot. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I get it. I can never experience birth. Well, I can get my tubes tied. Sure. Yeah. You can. But that's not having your, your vast deference okay let's not compare experiences (laughs) yeah okay your experience was is life-changing it it was it was monumental yeah it was huge because and after we'd made the decision that's when i began thinking quite intensely i kept asking myself the question what am i losing what am i going to lose what did i just lose after i had it done and that was a question I kept coming back to and trying to answer because it was a big question. It was the answer to which is I lost my, sure, I can't, I have no sperm anymore. That if you want to do it very simply and basic and scientific, sure, I lost my sperm. Uh, I still have semen. Yay. But I lost my creative power. I lost the ability to give life. And... I don't feel like I'm missing out because I've done it. I've got two wonderful children, but I can never do it again. And that's, that's an interesting kind of sacrifice. Like to say, okay, I'm giving up. I I sterilize myself to. I still feel sad about it. I I do. And I don't, I'm, I'm okay with it because, and we have, we've had this conversation before because now the worry is gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, sexually, it's totally opened things up. But, um, but, yeah, it was it was a big thing. Well, the conversation that we had when we were driving to Cape Breton a couple weekends ago for a friend's wedding, that was when you told me. So, yeah. what happened was, Ollie got the vasectomy, then you had to wait, how long was it? All right, so I got the vasectomy on January 29th. I had to wait 12 weeks and then provide a sample. Yeah. Which was funny. Uh, apologies to the little orderly lady. If you're listening to this for for obviously knowing what I was up to that day. Um, that sounds really bad. You just jack it off in the fucking hallway. Oh, <laughs> orderly a, lady tries need, to fucking okay. clean the floors. You sick fuck. All I needed was a bathroom. Uh, nothing... Nothing high tech, nothing fancy. Just give me a fucking toilet and I'll go and do it in five minutes and then I'll leave. Jerk off in the toilet. But no, 
They don't have one of those where you have to give the sample, but mm. you have to get that sample there within an hour at body temperature. And when you live in Dartmouth and the drop-off center is in Halifax, if any of you are familiar with either of the bridges and getting over them, <laughs> that's impossible. <laughs> that's that. impossible. <laughs> well, it is. It is. So, obviously, the sensible thing to do is jerk it where you have to deliver it. Where you have to drop it off. But they don't have a facility for you to do that. They don't have a fucking toilet. Just give me a closet. I'd be happy with a closet. It Really? It doesn't have to be a... I'm a tall man. It doesn't even have to be a full closet. It could be an under the stairs closet. It could be Harry Potter's first fucking bedroom. I don't care. I could be lying down. I could be sitting down. I could be squatting. That would be Stop. weird. Cry. <laughs> anyway, I I'm not asking for much. You <laughs> oh, reminded me of Will from the Inbetweeners. <laughs> anyway. So, anyway. We lost track. Had that. 12 weeks went by. Fuck, that's what we're talking 12 weeks go by. 12 weeks. I provide the sample. Right. They give me a call a day later and say, Mr. Cresswell, you're going to need to provide another sample in six weeks, which means I still had swimmers. And I wasn't super surprised because we'd kind of assumed that we were incredibly fertile, fertile. anyway. Because, yeah. yeah, we'd never tried to have kids, just thought about so it. I was so wanting you to come inside of me that whole pregnant. time, though. Fuck. I was like, no, Ollie, you're good. You're yeah. good. They're gone. You're like, babe, stop. <laughs> no, just do it. Just, just do it. Just you're, do you're it. You're probably fine. It's like, no. <laughs> Fucking no. <sighs> right? <laughs> wait the 12 weeks, Sarah. Dude, if we didn't wait, we would have got pregnant. Yes, we would have because I still had sperm. Yeah. So I got that call, waited another six weeks, went down and did it all again. But I was I was a veteran at this point. I knew exactly where I had to go to there do you it. Go. Um, and then... A day later, I got the call, and she, she said, uh, yeah, you are... I, can't, I cannot remember exactly what she said, because it doesn't matter. It's just the message that she conveyed was, you're you're good to go. And what did I, you feel? I just felt ecstatic. <laughs> I remember still her, her being on the phone going, woohoo, <laughs> in the middle of the office at work, and everyone being like, what is going on? <laughs> um, and she said that she loved giving that kind of news, which is great. You know, so um, obviously there are other men out there that were equally as excited and happy about it, which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I hung up and, uh, yeah, and I decided not to tell you. Because at that point, this was June, <laughs> I was going through... Not to be a dick, but I... No, 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 yeah. you, it was out of respect because I yeah. was going through a lot, a lot of deep healing, yes, processing stuff. And we were going away to Scott and Crystal's wedding and I didn't want to put any... Because we weren't having sex the whole month of June, really. Right. I don't think we had sex once. No. I was just like, no. Not and I knew interested. that if I told you Would that because pressure. it was a because it was a, a cause for celebration, and we probably want to have sex after knowing finding out the news, I didn't want to put any pressure on you to feel like. It was so nice of you, really. I yeah. I know I thanked you before, but thank you again for doing that. Are you welcome? It's very considerate, man. Yeah. You're a good guy. You're Thanks. the best guy. The best. I joked off a lot. Yeah, I, I, I assume that. Yeah. I know that, man. I keep calling you man. It's okay, dude. It's okay, dude. What's up, bro? What's up, bro? I, I start talking like this when I'm high. 
Um, yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Bro, bro do you even dope? <laughs> bro. Bro, do you, you like fitness? <laughs> How about fitness, fitness dick, dick in, in your, your mouth? mouth. <laughs> um, oh, but no, um, yeah, so you told me. So we were driving to Cape Breton and we were talking. I don't know. I think we were talking about just what I was going through, um, how I was feeling and how, you know, I, whatever. And, and you said something. Something. Um, <sighs> you said something, to, something about like, maybe it was about me coming inside you or something or, yeah. or you, you brought it up because I remember saying I wasn't going to tell you. I wasn't going to tell you unless you brought it up. Right. And... You did. You mentioned. You said something. Oh no! I said, "Have you heard back from the oh, office yeah. yet?" Oh no, You assume. You said you because you haven't heard back yet. Yeah. And I said, "Well, maybe I did." Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, "What?" You're like, "Yeah." I was like, "Well, what do they say?" You're like, "Uh, I'm good." I was like, "What? Why did you tell me?" <laughs> and then yeah, that whole conversation ensued. But then, yeah. then Holly and I, you and I, started to have this like really kind of. It was like an epiphany where we both realized at the same time what this meant for us. And I and I said to you, I don't know who said it first, but we had this realization that now there was no more fear. And right. as a as a when I got my period at sixteen and I started having sex, the number one thing I was so afraid of was a man coming inside of me because Getting I did pregnant. not want to get pregnant. Yeah. And that was something that my I my fear was coming inside of a, a woman. Yeah. Because you'd get her pregnant. So there was always this fear of semen, this fear of, you know, mm. like don't don't get it on you, like don't don't fucking touch it, don't fucking touch it. Go and wash, wash your hands. Don't put them in your mouth because you get pregnant. <laughs> you won't get pregnant if you put semen in your mouth. <laughs> Anyone who believes that, it's not true. Um, but I had this moment where I was like, whoa, because when he first told me, when he first told me, um. I was kind of sad and I was like, Ooh, Ooh, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, Ooh, shit. Like, ooh. yeah, like it's done. It's fine. Oh God. Like, I feel like someone just closed the book on right. me giving birth ever again. Well, unless, not technically, not technically unless yeah. something happens to you or we divorce, <laughs> whatever. And I meet someone else, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But in our relationship, which I hope goes on until I die, we can no longer have kids together. You and right. me. We cannot conceive a child with your penis in my vagina. Right. That's not going to happen. And so there was this moment where I was like, oh, like the like the wind was taking out of me. And mm-hmm. I got a little bit like, oh, oh, I feel emotional. And I remember saying that to you and you're like, yeah. And I was oh, like, it, was, it was heavy realizing that. Yeah. The two of us realizing, okay, well, yeah, the, the fear is gone. The worry is gone. Because we were having sex. You have not been on the pill for quite for years. a while. Yeah, quite a yeah. while. We're doing the pull-out um, method. <laughs> the tried and tested pull-out Which method. we got pregnant twice with. Yeah. <laughs> it works. Yeah. Some of the time. Some of the time. Um, so, yeah, it was... So, there was obviously a lot of fear around accidental pregnancies and all those pregnancy squares that we had. <laughs> so, I can't stop saying that now. I know. Um, <laughs> So yeah, when that fear had gone, it was very interesting. It was very, it was a very new and strange feeling to realize, oh, so now I can just come inside you and I don't have to hold back. There's no, there's no what if or, oh, I have to pull out. Now it's, 
I can pull out if I want to. And then I can keep going. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah, because before I couldn't pull out and then go yeah, back in. That's how we got That's how we Henry. had Henry. Yeah. Um yeah. if you're listening to this in twenty years time, <laughs> you're welcome, son. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the, once that fear had kind of dissipated, it was so different. So and that, and then the sex, our sex life since then. But how did that for you spiritually, like soul, like how? Well, that so because, that yeah. was the thing. So returning to that question, then of the, I was asking myself after like, getting and after having the vasectomy, what did I lose? With that, that put me on. Uh, a he quest there you go bud never called it that before I like that you had your she quest i had my he quest he quest he quest he quest he 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 what are you doing i'm trying to sing it he quest it's like like western uh, anyway go on sorry yeah i'm not feeling that <laughs> i know i, I can tell um so yeah, I went. I started. It started my heat quest because I thought, "What am I losing? I'm losing this creative power." It's like, "Well, what? What does that mean? How does that change or alter what it is for me to be a man in any way, if at all? And if it does, yeah, how?" So I started looking into uh, books and resources for men about male sexuality, uh, and because my sexuality was always it was always complicated, so it was. It actually it motivated me to really do the work myself, mm-hmm. uh, and I've been do I'd been kind of doing it, but then really doing it, and so I started looking around for books and resources and just things for, about male sexuality, and there weren't a lot, um, and so as a shot in the dark, I found a book at the library called Male Sexuality. Why Women Don't Understand It and Why Men Don't Either by Dr. Michael Bader. And read that on a whim, being like, all right, well, there's not much else besides this, so let's start here. Because a lot of what I was finding was either very academic and very dry um, or too loosey and just not what I was looking for. I was looking for kind of a happy medium, something that was... Because that's, that's me, you know, I'm I'm a very kind of thoughtful and methodical kind of very. person as a philosopher. So it's, I, but I'm also a very spiritual person. I've been familiar with Buddhism since I was 14, right? That was, and I was raised as a Catholic. So I have a spiritual background. Yeah. So I needed something to mesh those two together. Yeah. Read this book and it was incredible. It wasn't super spiritual, but it and even though it was kind of of the freudian tradition it mm. was it resonated it felt incredibly real and validating true. and valid yeah validating fantastic work yeah um because he talked a lot about response uh, talked a lot about sexuality and the feeling of responsibility that we all feel which is often very inhibitory to our unleashing our kind of sexual ferocity mm-hmm. um, so i read that book and that was absolutely phenomenal and kind of shifted my thinking around my own sexuality and allow me to get behind it in a positive way Mm -hmm. um 
and then since then I've been reading and learning more and you just got me an awesome book. Two books, man. Two awesome books in a very strange very... synchronistic. Yeah. Um, which is also cool because they're Jungian books and yeah. Jung is the one according to the term. But so the first one, uh, do you want me to product drop here a little yeah, bit? Do yeah, do it. Okay. So the first one was a book, is a book called Iron John by the British poet. I think he's British. Yeah, uh, I think pro- so. Robert Bly, who I'd never heard of and I'd never heard of the book and or what it references. And it's a, a, a Grimm Brothers story from 1820, 1802. Um, about Iron John, hairy dude. And you got me that book. <laughs> His claim to fame. <laughs> there is a hair, real hairy hey, dude, folks. I'm Iron John. Oh, fuck, you're that hairy dude. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. Here he comes, <laughs> Iron John. I think of your dad when I think of Iron John. <laughs> because his name is John. Yeah, John Wayne. <laughs> my dad. Um, so that book, and I've started reading it, and it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and then the book that arrived today, which was the second book that you ordered, and this is why it's synchronistic, because it arrived afterwards. Arrived today. And I, yeah. Arrived today, after the Robert Bly book. Never heard of Robert Bly until that book. And never heard of, obviously, Iron John. And then... This book arrives, and it's King Warrior, Magician, Lover. Yeah, I don't remember um, the authors. Uh, Robert Moore and somebody else. I forget the other person, the other gentleman. Okay. Apologies. Um, but that is another kind of Jungian tradition about the masculine archetypes. And uh, I open the first page. I read the blurb and then open the first page, and there's an inscription... Thanking Robert Bly for his uh, so weird. his work in uh, kind of shedding positive light and doing positive work on masculinity, which was incredible, which was so strange so because strange. there's this second book that arrives and then references the author of the first. So funny. And you weird. didn't know this when I didn't you know it. bought them, right? So. I just, I knew, yeah, you said to me, this was, I got, I got these for Oliver for Father's Day and, um. It was a late Father's Day gift because we were in Cape Breton for Father's Day. Right, for the wedding. And uh, anyway, he said to me, I said, babe, like, do you, I was like, I kind of want to like get you like a class, like to go to something like for, I want to buy you an experience. And I was looking at like male sexuality workshops and because Ollie's really going through reawakening with his sexuality and, and wanting to learn more and just male empowerment, you know, just, yeah. Yeah, but you being empowered in your sexuality and your femininity has inspired me to do the same for myself. Yeah, to really explore the masculine yeah. and the feminine. So I was like, I wanna I wanna buy him like a like an online workshop or like go to something or I don't know. We're and talking you, about you proposed it. A, I, there was like a couple a yoga workshop or class or yeah, something. Yeah, that was here in the city. During my winter when I wasn't feeling like I wanted to be around anybody. Yeah. And I said, no, thank you. Yeah. So you were like, but I want something to help me along this path that I'm now on right. with discovering the masculine and the feminine and, and you know, the sacredness of both and how that applies to me and blah, 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 blah. Cause you were, you're, you have been feeling a lot like you toxic max masculinity, you know, you've been kind of thinking. No, I, I yes. I, I feel like every, well, I don't want to speak for every man, but I did feel like my sexuality was overshadowed by 
the toxic masculinity of our society and it was it's very difficult it was very difficult for me to identify male sexuality my male sexuality and my masculinity with anything outside of that because the media doesn't give you anything else Mm. yeah oh yeah right preach so it was, it was, if you reject that, well, what do you latch on to? Mm-hmm. And this is something that Robert Bly has been talking about in the book. But it, uh, you kind of, I have, and a lot of men have, have rejected it and retreated, not retreated, but kind of turned to their feminine side and turned to feminine energy, which is absolutely fine and perfect because that's needed. That's part of the balance. Mm-hmm. But that's not a positive masculine um what am i trying to say here that's not masculinity in a positive way it's just femininity Mm -hmm. so you there needs to be balance and there needs to be a positive masculine kind of role model Mm. not not a masculine but a role model of male masculinity blah 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 so anyway (laughs) (laughs) i I went on say masculine five times (laughs) really fast I went on Amazon and there was this book that I was looking at to get you and it was just kind of, it kind of felt misogynistic to be completely honest. I was like, fuck, like what? No, there's gotta be, no, no, no. No, There was a different one I was looking at. So I started doing some research into like male, you know, sexuality and gender studies and things like that. And Robert Bly was like one of the top suggestions. And I was like, okay. And I looked at the, the, um, the description, I was like, okay, this sounds right up Ollie's alley. It's like, yep, doing it. And then I found the other one and I was like, ooh, yeah, this looks great. And bada boom, bada bing, here they arrive. And My spiritual package has arrived. Spiritual package has arrived. And I can't wait to see how it's going to affect you afterwards because, you know, Wild Power for me, the book Wild Power, mm. has changed uh, you know, that was a huge catalyst in this movement and the, this reawakening and for me um, to learn about my men- menstrual cycle and, mm-hmm. and to kind of uh, not sort my life out, but kind of like realign things. Right. Um, anyway, yeah, so that and it, book and, yeah. and Pussy by Regina uh, Thomas Hauer, I think your last name is. And um, and in an indirect way, that Wild Power book has affected me. It has completely. Um, yeah, because I've. I think that was the catalyst. That for was you. An, that was a, that was another that catalyst. Was another... There were. This is the thing. Or yeah. we've, we've recognized that there have been in this last year, a series of kind of monumental catalysts for each of us and for our relationship. Yeah. And and Wild Power being one of them, but because. Because I was. You know, you were getting in tune with your cycles and your inner seasons. Yeah. And I I started becoming more interested in keeping track of my thoughts and keeping track of my feelings. And yeah. also partly out of a frustration of the, oh, you're always horny. Because you have said that. To you. To yeah, me. yeah. And like, when are you not horny? Or when, when if I ask you, when would you ever say no kind of thing, right? Yeah. And, and that, I think is something that as a society we are under the impression of that men are always horny and we're not we are horny i'm horny often more um, than me yeah but it's it, so then and that's the thing so this is what got me interested in it is as well i want to start keeping track mm-hmm. of this stuff yeah so what do i have i don't bleed like you 
So what can I use as a, a marker, as a signifier of a pattern, a repetition, a cycle? Mm-hmm. So I went with the moon and started tracking that from new moon to full and back to new moon and have established inner seasons and similar to yours, mm-hmm. keeping the moon as my my check and my marker. And I've noticed patterns, uh, patterns and repetitions. And I'm comfortable saying that I have a winter season and a summer season. Yeah. And mom, I'm not always in my winter. It's just you always <laughs> talk to me. I always open up emotionally to you around the new moon because that is my winter. Okay. So, jeez, mom. Jeez, mom. Get Shut off my back. Um, I find it so funny that you talk to your mom and dad about it, my mom and dad, because like I don't really talk to my mom and dad or your mom and dad. Even though about you asked it. me to stop talking to them about I it, I have st- it's actually <laughs> asked you because it is so uncomfortable, and my parents and your parents are like, "What is he talking about, Sarah? What is he talking about?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's, a, it's a, our inner seasons," and I have to explain it, and they're like, "Oh, okay." And then it's like this awkward silence, and I'm like, "Fuck." I have no filter. You have zero filter. I. Oh, that's. weird dead silence there because we thought we could hear either children screaming or cats fighting but it i think it's teenagers fighting outside fucking teenagers fucking what do we call youths youths (laughs) fucking youths youths. um Um, well i was gonna say yes thank you mom also for no for the no filter yeah but i find it so funny because you literally will say everything that comes into your head whereas I kind of hold back and I just say what I need to say in a very concise sentence that's very John Mayer of you Sarah John Mayer say what you need to say oh my god say what you need to say. but I am a firm believer I I and I think you that's rubbed off on you and you've rubbed off on me like I articulate oh, way I've more than I ever have you. oh yes you have <laughs> Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if I've developed a filter. I well, you know what you say that, but I I think I definitely think that you you don't say nearly as much what comes into your head as I used to. as you used to. Like you literally would just tell me the most mundane, trivial things as soon as I came into your head, or you'd save it. Hey Sarah, you'd I breathed it. today. Yeah, like literally, <laughs> and I'd be like, Ollie, why why did you need to tell me that? And you're like, I, don't know, I just thought you'd like to know. And I was like, I. I honestly don't fucking care. <laughs> you were like so hurt. And I was like, my loving wife doesn't <laughs> give a shit. But I, I remember hating when I would come home from work and you'd say, how was your day? That we because had gro- so many arguments growing, about that. Yeah, we did. But because growing up, that was, that was it. It was, how was your day at school? And, and I would just be like, how do you think my fucking day was Ollie? I was at work. I worked. What else do you want me to say? I fucking worked. So I guess it was a bad day. <laughs> Tell me why it was a bad day, Sarah. <laughs> but that's yeah, that's how I grew up, and but I'm I am better at it now. Like, have mm. you noticed that when you come home from work, I ask you how your day was? Have you noticed that? Like, I noticed that Henry does. Henry's been doing it because he watches Mama do it. Right. Yeah. Have you noticed that I come home from work and don't ask you how your day was? Some days. No, you still ask me every day. Yeah, some days there's like one day a week when I don't. <laughs> Mondays I don't ask you how your day was. <laughs> Or no, if okay, no, if I can sense that it's been a bad day, I you just don't, don't ask say, you. Good, good on 
you. If I know, if like, if you're texting me at quarter to five, when are you coming <laughs> home? Yeah, where are you? Or you call me, or are you on your way home yet? Like, I know not to ask you, hey, how was your day yeah. when I get in? Or if I, I can tell by looking at you too. Like if yeah. I can see the day on your face. I remember there were like a few times that you would ask me. Like this a few months back, maybe it was when Henry was. We just had Henry. He'd say, "How was your day?" It's a few years back, and yeah. <laughs> and then you'd look at me and you're like, "Did you slay any dragons today?" Like you would just try and like completely. Well, that's, I can't remember tension. where I can't remember where I heard that. It was I read or heard somewhere about um, people's like or teachers a way to get children to communicate with you better (laughs) and this is not i do not say this to insult you at all but um so it was a way to get children to open up with you more instead of just asking the what did you learn in school today like kind of questions to ask something fun and engaging i remember you doing it with henry right but then sometimes you would do it with me because it worked with henry so i was like let's try it with you let's (laughs) let's see sarah henry did you slay any dragons yeah cool sarah did you build any forts? Sometimes I'd just be like, shut Destroy up, Ollie. castles? And then other times I'd be like, you know what? Yeah. I'd laugh and whatever. And it works. It, yeah. it works on children, works on everybody. So we're Maybe. running out of time now. <gasps> oh. I want to, I kind of want to close this off and ask you. Wow, that went by really quickly. I know, right? We can talk for a long time. Like, I could keep talking. Like, I have so much I could... I just... We're going to do an epic, like, three-hour-long recording. <sighs> I have to run that by Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's save it for the next next Dadgasm episode. Okay. But um, what's been... Talking to the mic, Sarah. Thanks, babe, for the reminder. What's been your favorite thing about us, about our sex life, whatever it might be. What's something that stands out to you over the last year? What's something that's meant a lot to you or kind of big some way? My constant half jokes about wanting you to buy me a flashlight. (laughs) You're an asshole. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I'm gonna buy one for you on your uh, when you're on your deathbed. I'm oh, like, here you go, babe. Thanks. Finally, jerk me off into, <laughs> to to heaven. Aldous Huxley took acid or mescaline, whichever one it was. I get a flashlight. Yeah, man. Why not? Um, and you can have mescaline if you want. Yeah, it's one I've yet to do. Yeah, one yet I've yet to do. Um, what stands out? Yeah, over the last year, because we we keep saying this last year has been really big for us. So right. what is the, one of the, I don't know how I'm trying to word this, one of the most memorable things, maybe. I think it's just that we've we've gotten so comfortable with talking about it. We found the language yeah. that we've needed to be able to communicate with each other. And it took, it has taken six, seven years. Yeah. To get to this point. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's taken longer than that. We've been together for what? Yeah, we've been together years? for Yeah. So it's a decade. Let's just round it off. Yeah, it's taken us a decade it's taken us to 10 get years here. of having sex to get 
to the point that we are at right now where we're comfortable we're saying what we don't like what we do like we're having fun conversations like when we're driving home from cape Breton, we were talking about dirty talk and like what words we want the other one to use and that was something that we could never do we can never Never. talk about sex even though we were having it we can never talk about it so that that is probably the biggest thing for me Uh, and to to see how that has changed how we live to see how just communicating, being able to communicate and open up together has changed the way we live. Like, I am now comfortable enough to dance around the house naked in a poncho Mm. because that's the level that I am. You want to know one of the things that I'm most comfortable about? Poncho. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I'm really proud of us for doing is not only being more confident and comfortable in in our relationship and voicing what we want from one another, mm. but also being really comfortable with the other person being a sensual person by themselves and right. pleasuring themselves. Like yeah. when we, mm. oh my God, when the early years of our relationship, thinking about you masturbating would anger me, would disgust me, like, I had so many issues about it. I remember telling yeah. you, like, if you were going to masturbate, I had to be out of the house. Like, don't even tell me about it. I want to talk about it. Like, yeah. there was... It, and there was a feeling, the flip oh. side of that was the feeling for me, the language around that was, can't get caught masturbating. Myself. Yeah. Getting caught as if it's something yeah. that isn't supposed to be done. Like, why would you try to hide that? Right. From your loving now, part of your sex with? Uh, now, like, if I'm, if I'm feeling horny and I'm you know, pleasuring myself. I don't bat an eyelid if you walk around the corner and walk. Ditto. If you see me, like, okay, then we'll have a conversation about it. If anything's going to happen, maybe, or if I should stop or go upstairs or finish or do whatever. You went in a one moment that stood out to me, though. But it's an open thing. The thing that I'm, one of the things I'm most proud of myself for doing was I remember there was one day you were having a really crap day. And I looked at you and I was like, maybe you should go upstairs I remember and just this. Yeah. jerk off. I was, I was like, and yeah. you know how good it will make you feel. And I remember thinking, I was like, it was like, there was like, I could see, it was like having was, an out-of-body experience. That was strange. Like for the first time in my life and for the first time in our relationship, you had told me, go and masturbate. Like that's when I finally, like I, it all clicked for me. I was like, <laughs> holy shit, look at how far you've come, Sarah. Like before this yeah. used to like. Oh my god! Yeah. I used to keep you awake at night. I remember lying in bed at night. We used to live on Brunswick Street, and if I went, I went to bed before you a lot of the time. And I remember lying oh. in bed and thinking, "He's out there masturbating. That disgusting motherfucker. He's doing it. He's and fucking I was. doing it." You were. And it's like, why, Christ, Sarah? Like, if <sighs> he's a sexual human being, he is a sexual person, and he enjoys f- f- feeling enjoy sexual. He enjoy pleasure. Don't fucking rob him of that. Like, he's allowed to do yeah, that. Don't rob me of that. No, but it was it was wrong. And now, and, and like, I was doing it. I was masturbating. So why was it okay for me to do it, but it wasn't okay yeah. for you? And I wanted you to do it around me. Yeah. <laughs> but it was because I was so fucking uncomfortable with sex. I mean, that was when it was, that was before therapy. That one, it was just really bad. Yeah. Really, really, really bad. Um... But yeah, that's one thing I'm really proud of our, of us is encouraging the other person to be 
pleasurable and More sensual, sensual. Yeah. when the other one isn't feeling it or isn't around. Like I and, encourage you to do that. One it. of the other things that we, and uh, when kind of tandem with that is trying to figure out how to share that energy when one of us is feeling when one of us is feeling down and the other one is feeling really connected really hyped up really energized and turned on in life just in life yeah not not how to share that because one of us is walking around with springs on their heels yeah and the other one feels the other one doesn't so how do you how do you share that how do you communicate that how do you pass that along because you you in any relationship i think balance is key and so when one of you is really into life and the other one is really not then you've got to kind of work to meet in the middle and share it and help each other well i just want to say i love you with all my heart and i'm really proud of how far you've come and thank you for doing this with me and i Hope that you'll record another episode with me again. And And my fee's going up next time. (laughs) But no, I'm, I'm just, I'm really, really proud of you. And it's been an absolute pleasure to be watching you come into this whole new enlightened version of you. You're just, Mm. yeah. Thanks, babe. Yeah, I can't wait to read the books that you're going to write about everything that you're going through right now. And I know it's coming. And just, yeah, you're... Thanks. Thanks for being awesome. My life partner. You're welcome. My roommate. Your roommate? <laughs> My travel buddy. <laughs> well, thank you for... For having me on the show. <laughs> this is awkward <laughs> now. This is awkward now. <laughs> Just give me a kiss. All right. more of momgasm are you daydreaming about getting away to a quiet little part of the world to connect with yourself and other badass bitches come to our first retreat we are hosting a weekend retreat this september at windhorse farm here in nova scotia together we're cultivating space for you to get interested in yourself your own brand of sexy through self-exploration movement breath art community conversation dance parties and so much fucking more Whether you're simply needing a getaway to recharge, because let's face it, as moms, oh yeah, baby, we need lots of that. Or maybe you're just ready to dive headfirst into a more vibrant connection with yourself. We've got you, babe. We're almost sold out, so follow the Facebook link in our description for pricing and more details. But one last thing before you go. We have a little favor to ask. Whether you've heard it or not, the Momgasm podcast is in the final round of voting for Best of Halifax 2019. Woo! Do you love us? Do you support what we're doing at Momgasm? Do you like seeing two badass mamajamas unapologetically doing their own thing? Then you need to go vote. Vote for us. We are so excited for making it to the final round, but we want to see Momgasm make it to the end and take home gold. 
It would generally mean the world to us, and it's a simple yet powerful way to reaffirm this wild and absolutely crazy thing that we're doing with this podcast. So go now and vote. Even if you don't live in Halifax, you can vote. Follow the link in our description, and thanks for listening.